Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Today is the day. This is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this Friday, the 25th of October, 2019. Welcome. Thank you for thank you for including me in your day today. It's a privilege and an honor to be with you. Um, all right. So when's the last time you saw just a statement that Jesus is king up in bright lights in the big city? That's uh, that's actually what's been going on in Detroit and in L.A., and other places around the country uh, in anticipation, in in almost fitful anticipation, of an album and film experience by Kanye West called Jesus is King. And if you were to uh, see what's trending on Twitter right now, you would see that Jesus is King is trending on Twitter. And you say to yourself, well, yes, but it's about an album. It's not about uh, the reality. No, 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 no. Every time I'm typing it in, it's about the reality that Jesus is King. Anytime culture gives us a day like today where the whole world is saying out loud, Jesus is king, and they are anticipating, they are anticipating the coming of Jesus the king. I mean, just pause for a moment and consider what Kanye West has achieved. I don't know. The guy's got like something like 30 million followers on Twitter. He has, you know, theoretically a full 10 percent of the U.S. population anticipating now for a month because he he told people Jesus the king was coming a month ago uh and and then yesterday well actually all this past week you know Jesus is king is coming it's coming it's coming on the 25th at midnight it's coming now I, again not great right we we would then say all right we don't actually know when Jesus is coming this would be a great opportunity to talk about Jesus actually saying I don't actually know the day and the time but but you can count on this. I'm coming. All right. So we are talking about an album. We're talking about a film experience. And so who better to have that conversation with than Adam Holtz from Plugged In? So he's going to join me in just a minute. And we're going to talk about literally the frenzied anticipation of tens of millions of people across the country um, for a product, an album, an experience entitled Jesus is King. And what maybe that says about the conversations that are taking place today that some of us are missing because, you know, frankly, that's that's not the bright lights in the big cities that we're um, spending time looking at or living in. All right. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Plugged In. You can check out what they are doing at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Always good to talk to you, Carmen. Good morning. Okay. Okay. Is it breathless anticipation where you live? Because Jesus is king and he's coming. 
You know, I don't know if I would have characterized it as breathless anticipation. I more curiosity, I think, on my part. What? Because <laughs> you're like this. Okay, don't be a hardened skeptic. Go with me this morning. No, no, on this, I'm not on this magical adventure of Maranatha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, you know, Kanye is proclaiming a message that is truth, whether. You know, he fully understands, embraces, or, you know, is the right messenger for that message is a different question. But I'm reminded of what Paul said, you know, whether through good motives or bad, I'm paraphrasing here. What I know is that the gospel is being preached. That's right. um, I think Kanye. Rocks and, like, right, rocks and donkeys if necessary. Right. Kanye is an interesting case. And I will, I'm going to make a generalization here. I think with Kanye. And I think with Justin Bieber is another one who has been on a parallel path. These guys have vacillated back and forth between saying things about Jesus that would make us want to cheer and then doing and saying other things that make us want to cringe. And both of them seem to be at least articulating a realization that they don't want to do as much cringy stuff. Fox News had an Mm. article this week and Kanye said – now that I'm in service to Christ, my job is to spread the gospel, to let people know what Jesus has done for me. I've mm. spread a lot of things. There was a time I was letting you know what high fashion had done for me. I was letting you know what Hennessy had done for me. Now I'm letting you know what Jesus has done for me, and I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son of God now. I'm a, I'm a son now, a son of God. I am free. Well, man, that sounds like the gospel to me. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes when we see a celebrity make a statement like that and there's some kind of i'll call it backsliding for lack of a better word i think that we can say oh look it wasn't real it was all just a publicity stunt but i see both kanye and justin coming back to jesus in a way that gives me hope that there's something really authentic here and and kanye has said some other i mean well he says interesting things all the time but you know he supposedly told the people working on this documentary that he didn't want them to have premarital sex while they were working on it. Well, that, So he's beginning to link belief to actual behavior. Uh, there was a report that he was uncomfortable with how revealing his wife's dress was that she wore to the Met Gala and that they had an argument about that, that he didn't want her putting it all on display again, which, you know, again, well, you married Kim Kardashian, so you, know, <laughs> you kind of did it to yourself. Um, but there, I'm seeing hints that he's trying to connect belief to action, which is sometimes a step that we see missing with people who talk really boldly about Jesus. They they talk Jesus, but there seems to be a complete disconnect when it becomes to how when it comes to how they're actually living. So I'm I'm quietly hopeful, and I'm also feeling like he's probably not going to get it perfect. But you know what? We don't get it perfect either. If we That's had right. the kind of publicity that that he had. Somebody could probably point to our lives and say, see, I told you it was a publicity stunt. It's not real for this person. So there you go. I just dumped a whole lot. So I'm going to let you respond now. <laughs> well, no, I think you're absolutely right. If uh, if if there were people following me around, like people are following Conway, Kanye West around, if I mean, if the eyeballs of 30 million people were turned my way all the time, I no, uh, am totally confident, right? They're going to see things and they're right. going to hear me say things or they're going to hear the tone of voice uh, that is unbecoming to Christ. I, I recognize yes. that. I'm I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Right. And right. so no, I think that, to, right. to expect a person who um, has lived 
in in ways that are just demonstrable demonstrably contrary to um you know to what we would say is a jesus aligned lifestyle um you know for a person to be letting us all watch him as he is being conformed by one degree of glory to another to the image of christ like that is like discipleship on display by yeah. little piece by little piece and and who are we to uh, you know, to judge, frankly, another person who's in that same process that we're in, um, if we would spend a little more time looking in the mirror instead of uh, maybe breathlessly anticipating the next album. But I am yes. going to say that um, for a person who likes to get God back into the conversation and likes to point to really extraordinary things that happen in the culture, for Jesus is King to be trending on uh, on Twitter— Right. For G, G, hashtag Jesus is King has now been tr- trending on Twitter. It trended on Twitter a week ago for a whole day because, you know, people were anticipating the drop of the album then actually a month ago on September 25th. And then for the last 24 hours, I mean, it's been trending on Twitter. You know, there's yep. Adam. Adam. I mean, I I don't know about you, but that does not seem like a bad thing. No, it doesn't seem like a bad thing. And again, we know that Scripture is replete with examples of God saying, I will use whom I will use to accomplish my purposes and to deliver my message, you know, whether it's a donkey, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, whether it's Kanye West, you know, and, and I'm actually quietly, maybe too earnestly hopeful that he can make it stick, that it's not just a fad, that it's not just a phase, but that we're seeing evidence of God doing something in a man's life that causes him to say, I want to live differently, you know. Uh, so, so we'll see. But for the moment, um, at the very least, he's prompting people to ask the question: Why would Kanye West say Jesus is king? Why would he even say that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, let's talk next about um, Beyonce and Mass because this is interesting. Interesting as well. It, right, Adam, it is interesting. Adam Holtz and I are going to take a really brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Beyonce. And mass. Yeah, like the kind that is celebrated in church. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Wow. Um, pivoting from Kanye West to Beyonce with Adam Holtz from Plugged In. Um, Adam, uh, let me just go ahead and say that as a person whose who's, uh, heritage and much of whose service to the church was in the context of the Presbyterian Church USA, um, the fact that the two churches in New York City who are featured in this story, First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn and St. James Presbyterian Church of Harlem, um, the fact that they have, um, oh my goodness, so perverted uh, the celebration of the Lord's Supper and that they would be... Uh, platforming this kind of event, this Beyonce mass in which a womanist worship service is used um, and the personal life of Beyonce is used to foster a, quote, empowering conversation about black women, their lives, their bodies, and their voices. She's nearly naked, holding uh, two babies uh, wrapped in very colorful, uh, one very colorful piece of fabric that just barely covers the private parts. It's crazy to me. Yeah, well, here's the thing. There are so many things we could talk about here. First of all, 
I don't think this happens apart from what Kanye has done with his services, just to go back mm. for that for a second. I think that Kanye's services, somebody said, hey, Kanye's doing this church thing. We can do this church thing. Number two, I think there's an enormous hunger for a transcendent experience. And when we reject God, we are going to replace that with something. And frankly, celebrity worship is as good an alternative as anything else out there if you're going to throw God out the out the window. Now, I'm not saying this is a good thing, obviously. Uh, I'm mostly just saying we're stripping off any pretense of what we're doing. Uh, there's actual worship involved here. And worship, we need to remember, um, comes from an old English word that used to be called worship. So worship really gets at this idea of what are we ascribing worth to? And so this is a service that ascribes worth to Beyonce as an example for how to live and what matters in life. And, and I think about this, I'm like, okay, how does this really empower black women? Uh, and, and call me a skeptic and a curmudgeon here, but Beyonce's life as a rich, beautiful celebrity and the privilege that comes with it has very little to do with the average person anywhere, black, white, or anything else. But I think that there's a desire to say that she has achieved some kind of transcendent glory. And so we're going to glom onto that. So, you know, I think for me, it's, it's a misplaced understanding of worship and transcendence. Uh, and I think that said, there, there is also a desire for empowerment, to know that our lives are, are real, that they matter. And we as the church, I think, um, that's what we have to offer. We have real good news to offer. And what Beyonce is offering is a counterfeit, uh, but it's a, a very appealing counterfeit to pr- apparently a lot of people. Um, and so it, it grieves me, um, and yet it doesn't surprise me because that's where we're really at culturally. And I'll also say we don't have problems right away when you've got a mass being held at a Presbyterian church. Like Presbyterians the- don't do masses. You know, <laughs> the, the theological confusion is front and center here. <laughs> yeah, so let, me, so let me say that in a Presbyterian church, here are the marks of the true church. The first would be that the word of God is rightly proclaimed. The second, yep. that the sacraments would be rightly administered. And the third would be that discipline would be rightly applied. Um, it would seem to me that there is a breakdown at all three of these levels in, in terms levels. of these local congregations that are platforming the Beyonce Mass. The yes. word mass, uh, I think you, you know, I, I think for listeners who um, who are saying, well, mass is mass, right? I mean, it's uh, it's that uh, the, it's the Lord's Supper. Well, in right. Presbyterian churches and actually in in churches after the Protestant Reformation that are not Roman Catholic, we don't use the word mass um, no, we don't. because that's not what we're doing. We are uh, we are celebrating in both remembrance and in, in in the context of today and the looking forward into the future, um, you know, to the Feast of the Lamb. And right. so uh, so I do think that language matters. The opportunity to check your own sacramental theology is a good opportunity here. What do you mean yeah. when you hear or use the word? What's actually happening uh, in the context of the Lord's Supper? What is it about? Why are we doing it? And how is it rightly administered? Because this is not it. No, this is not it. And I think you're reminding us of the importance of thinking with precision about theology. We live in a syncretistic culture that thinks it can just take any words and attribute any meaning to them that it wants to. Uh, But words matter. Words have meaning. Words are related to 
bigger ideas. And when we get loose and sloppy with the way we use theological words, it creates confusion. Uh, so that's sort of a subtext lesson here, I think, uh, over and above or apart from the conversation about Beyonce. Uh, but, but I think it's an important one. So like I said at the outset, there are a lot of layers that we could talk about here. And I'm thinking I may go to work and write an article about this because it's pretty interesting. So please do. Good please conversation. Do. <laughs> Please do. People would be able to find it at pluggedin.com. Yes. But I'm going to go see Jesus is King first and write about that before <laughs> I write about Beyonce. Amen. Okay. We have like a, a couple of minutes left to talk about yeah. something, something. You're, I'm going to let you pick. Do you want to talk about a movie? Do you want to talk about something on Netflix or do you want to talk about something on Amazon Prime? You know, let's do Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, right, and go. let me do like a, like a speed round. There are two series out right now. One of them is called Unbelievable on Netflix, which is dealing with a woman who is raped who isn't believed by the police officers. And then there's another series uh, on Amazon Prime called Vindication, which is about a young girl who's also been sexually abused. And it's a faith-based show, and and, uh, it's dealing with the aftermath of what happens. And so here's what I want to say. We often lambast pop culture uh, for what it presents in front of us. But here we have two shows that are trying to deal with a very serious issue. Now, I will say they're not the same. Vindication is definitely in PG-13 territory, uh, whereas Unbelievable goes places that are going to be deeply, deeply uncomfortable uh, and not necessarily family-friendly viewing. Actually, neither one of them are probably shows you want to sit down and watch with your family. But um, I am heartened by the fact that we're trying to wrestle with these hard issues, even as I'm cognizant of the fact that we've got to do so carefully, because sometimes when we try to do things like this, we end up creating more problems. You know, theoretically, 13 Reasons Why was a serious attempt to deal with the subject of teen suicide, and we all know where that ended up. So we still need to exercise discernment, but Culturally, we're continuing to wake up to the reality of sexual abuse and its effects. And so I think when shows deal with that in a good way, that that ultimately is a redemptive thing in terms of dealing with this hard subject. All right. So um, we're going to leave it right there. Although I want to tell you that we had a conversation here with Michael Heiser about his new book, Upside Down World, which um, susses out the gospel themes and threads from Stranger Things and so oh, yeah. if I'm going to if I'm going to recommend something to you that you would totally love Michael Heiser's yep. uh, book and then you can go uh, grab the grab the podcast of the conversation we had um, well, because it's right, sitting I mean, on my it's, desk at work. <gasps> so I need to just, <gasps> you go read just read it. it. Oh, yeah. You'll just devour it. It'll be a quick read for you and you'll totally love it. All right. Uh, Adam Holtz from Plugged In. Thank you so much for being with us again today. Carmen, always, always a joy to talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back. So a couple of days ago, we talked with Randall Goodgame about the release of 13 episodes of the Slugs and Bugs show. So if you've got kids or grandkids or you want a great new resource for your children's ministry, I want you to go grab the podcast from Tuesday's show. Um, Randall Goodgame was on in the last half hour um, of, of the two hours of that morning, uh, w- Mornings with Carmen program. So you go to MyFaithRadio.com, you go to the Mornings with Carmen page, you look for the podcast from Tuesday, October the, I don't know, what would that have been, the 22nd? And uh, and the last half hour of the second hour is Randall Goodgame on 
um, Slugs and Bugs. Really, really fun material. Now, one of the people who collaborated on the Slugs and Bugs is Phil Vischer of Veggie Tales fame. And guess what? He's my next guest. And he is here to share some great good news for the fans of the original Veggie Tales, which let me just go ahead and tell you, is coming back. It's coming back. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, you've heard of the prodigal son, right? But how about the prodigal dad? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. A prodigal is defined as someone who spends lavishly. Yes, the son squandered his inheritance, but it was his father who gave extravagantly. He gave his money and his love. Think about it. When his son came back, there was no demand for repayment, no warnings or threats, no shame or judgment. Instead, the father revealed his true prodigal nature by welcoming his son with fanfare and bestowed on his son all the same rights and privileges he'd left behind. It's precisely the kind of prodigal grace that our Heavenly Father gives us. In the same fashion, let's lavish grace and love on our kids every single day. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Like to talk to tomatoes. If a squash can make you smile. If you like to waltz with potatoes. Up and down the produce Joining me today is Phil Vischer. He really needs no introduction because you all know him from Veggie Tales. Um, thrilled to have you back with us, Phil. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So um, I want to start with this. You have uh, you've got a new Bible that is out called Laugh and Learn. Um, but before we talk specifically about the Laugh and Learn Bible, I want to have a general conversation with you about the Bible and kids. What um, what's your motivation to sort of work in this space of communicating what the content of the scriptures are to the next generation? Well, I think it's kind of important. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, <laughs> but we're seeing we're seeing you know, so many kids grow up in Christian homes and grow up in the church, and then just kind of lose their faith as they get into college and, and move off on their own. And uh, quite often, even as, as Christian kids are getting to even Christian colleges, the schools are noticing they know less and less about the Bible. Um, and the Bible is the foundation of our faith. It's what makes the world make sense to us. It's the big story that we're all in. So we shouldn't wonder why kids are getting so excited about Star Wars and Harry Potter and the Avengers, because they want to be a part of the big story. And we, when we fail to teach them the Bible as a big story that they can be a part of, they're going to turn to other big stories. Even if they're not real, they're more compelling uh, than having no story at all. So what I really, what always motivates me with kids is to show them the story they're a part of. It's the story of God and the world and God's big rescue plan. And they can actually play a role in it, you know, as a, as a child of the king, as a prince or a princess of the king. Um, it's just, it's so exciting to be a part of a big story that, uh, you know, the, the sooner we can get kids connected to that story, uh, the easier it is for them to build a foundation of faith that'll last their whole lives. That is certainly for those of us who have any history whatsoever with uh, with Veggie Tales um, a generation ago. I mean, I think of it as a generation ago. 
Um, that is certainly what the original VeggieTales series did has 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 accomplished in our in our hearts. I mean, those stories um, we can still sing along. I mean, it is uh, they're they're silly songs and they're compelling stories and they're great consistent characters and then and then characters who are added in um, from time to time. Talk with us about um, the the we're going to get. People are going to be excited to know that there's Veggie Tales is coming back, like the real one. Um, we're going to talk about that in just a second. <laughs> Tell us about the Laugh and Learn Bible because that is, um, I think that for you, it feels like this is where your heartbeat is getting kids into the Word of God and getting the Word of God into kids. And the Laugh and Learn Bible is designed to do that. Yeah, yeah. So after Veggies, I haven't written for Veggie Tales in more than a decade now, any kind of writing for Veggie Tales. And uh, after Veggie Tales, I felt that God wanted me to take kids deeper into the Bible than we necessarily could with bouncy, talking vegetables. Um, so I did a series, a video series called What's in the Bible that, that started with Genesis and went all the way through Revelation in, in uh, 13 DVDs to teach kids really an overview of all of Scripture. And that took five years, and I learned so much, because if you're going to teach something to kids, you find out how well you know it. And I learned so much in teaching, trying to teach the entire Bible to kids that we thought, okay, we should take all of this and actually put it into a Bible, a children's storybook Bible, so that kids can spend time with it before bed, so that parents can read to their kids. And uh, that's the Laugh and Learn Bible for Kids. It's 52 stories from the Bible, starts with the story of creation, ends with the story of the new creation, of the new heaven and the new earth at the end of Revelation. And it's not just sometimes in Sunday school, kids only get snapshots from the Bible. You know, so they get Noah's Ark, they get uh, David and Goliath, they might get Daniel in the lion's den, and then something about Jesus. Uh, but what we miss is all the connective tissue in between these stories that turns them into one big story. And that's where kids' faith really comes to life, is when they see the big story that crosses all these little individual stories. So the purpose of the Laugh and Learn Bible for Kids is to start at the beginning, go all the way to the end of the Bible, give kids like a condensed version of the entire arc of Scripture that's, that's uh, age-appropriate for them, that's engaging, uh, so they have that picture that when they first sit down with a full text Bible, they'll know where they are in the story. You know, if you give, if you wait till your kids are eight or nine and give them their first Bible and give them a, you know, a full text NIV or an ESV, I, they don't know where to start. And they're like the Israelites, they're going to die in the desert somewhere in Leviticus. They're just not going to make it to the promised land. So giving them a Bible that's geared for their age when they're young, they can see the whole picture. And then when they're looking at a full text Bible when they're a little bit older, they can find their place in the story. Okay, and here's one of the things that I love about the Laugh and Learn Bible. And again, my conversation partner is Phil Vischer. We're talking about the brand new Laugh and Learn Bible. We're also in just a minute going to talk about some new veggie uh, episodes. Um, I love that you've designed this for parents to read to kids, and it really takes away that layer of embarrassment if you are a parent who doesn't know these stories yourself. Like, this is this is engaging for the adult who is reading to the child, and it's a really wonderful entry point into a conversation where, you know, frankly, our kids might be ahead of us. If we've been, you know, we've been obedient to take our kids to church, but we didn't necessarily spend a lot of time in church ourselves as young adults, let's say, um, this is really, the Laugh and Learn Bible is as good for adults as it is for kids in terms of 
learning the whole scope of what the Bible says. Yeah, quite often in church, we'll say, you know, hey, parents, you need to disciple your kids. And we forget to ask, hey, parents, did anyone disciple you? And quite often the answer is no. So how can we as parents pass on to our kids what no one passed on to us? And I've always enjoyed with Veggie Tales, with uh, the What's in the Bible series, and now with the Laugh and Learn Bible for Kids, it's I want to do something that's so enjoyable to, to engage in that the whole family can do it together, that parents or grandparents can engage in it with their kids or grandkids, and that they can all learn together. Um, and when, when a whole family learns something together, then the parents can reinforce the lesson for their kids, and the kids can reinforce the lesson for the parents, which is something I've also heard from VeggieTales history, when kids reminded their parents what they learned in VeggieTales because their parents weren't reflecting it very well at that particular moment when they were mad. Um, and it's, so it's fun to be able to create resources that bring generations together to experience God's Word, to find their place in God's story, and then they can remind each other about it as they walk through the day. All right, I'm talking with Phil Vischer. You can check him out at philvischer.com. He and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where, 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 oh, Check out everything he's doing at philvisher.com. Visher is V-I-S-C-H-E-R. We have talked about um, the Laugh and Learn Bible. We have talked a little bit about the What's in the Bible series. Phil, what can you tell us? We are hearing, we are hearing that it's possible that those of us who loved Veggie Tales a long time ago, but maybe have not <clears throat> appreciated some of the things that have happened in the series since someone else owned it. Um, maybe there is something on the horizon about which we can be excited again. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I lost control of VeggieTales in 2003, 16 years ago. I can't oh, believe that it's been shocking. that long. No, I can't either. I, I know. It's crazy. And, and since then, three different companies have owned VeggieTales. Uh, uh, two years ago, it, it ended up at uh, Universal Studios. They bought the other company that bought the other company that bought it in the beginning. So it's at Universal Studios. As soon as they bought it, the Trinity Broadcast Network, the world's largest Christian broadcaster, reached out to Universal and said, hey, could we do something with VeggieTales? And Universal said, uh, we won't give it to you, we won't sell it to you, but we'll rent it to you. So they said, okay, could we do a TV series? They both then reached out to me and said, hey, Phil, we want to do some new VeggieTales stuff, but we want it to feel like the original VeggieTales, not like the newer stuff that's happened more recently. So would, could you get involved and make it feel like the very earliest VeggieTales again? And I said, why, thank you for asking. I would enjoy doing that quite a bit. Because uh, no one's asked me to do that in 15 years, which has been kind of funny. But they were the first ones. And so I jumped in. I said, I want Mike to be a part of it. Mike Naraki, who's Larry the Cucumber, to my Bob the Tomato. I want Kurt Heineke to be a part of it, who did all the music for all the classic VeggieTales videos. Um, and so we've kind of put the team back together. It's like the Blues Brothers movie. We're putting the band back together. We're on the road. We're driving in the middle of the night in Chicago with sunglasses on. And uh, we're trying to bring VeggieTales back to life in a new format. Bob and Larry are now in a theater trying to put on a variety show, kind of like The Muppet Show, which very intentionally was my favorite TV show when I was a kid. Um, but the same feel as the classic veggies where we're telling short, simple Bible stories 
uh, to bring a value to life for kids, to bring the Bible to life for kids. Bob is trying to put on a show. Everyone else is trying to help in the worst possible way and messing it up for Bob, which frustrates him no end. So it really feels like, you know, this is what Veggie Tales was supposed to be. This is what I enjoy writing with these characters. And uh, in the last year, we've written 18 new episodes that will launch next year on uh, the Trinity Broadcast Network and then go to streaming platforms and everywhere else. Okay, that is so exciting. And when I told my granddaughter, Evelyn, that um, she's six, that I was going to be talking with you, she put her hands on the hips or on her hips and with her furrowing her brow in really the only way she can. um, She said, you have to ask him, are they going to look right? I don't know exactly yeah. what that means, but I'm guessing you know what that means. I know exactly what that means. Uh, the last version of Veggie Tales, the, the designers redesigned the characters, and many fans found the new designs upsetting. Um, it turned into a big kind of online kerfuffle that Bob and Larry didn't look like Bob and Larry. They looked insane. So that was one of the first directives from Universal and from TBN and even from Big Idea, which is still with now a little division inside Universal, was make the characters look like the characters again. So we've gone back to the classic character designs. The, the personalities of the characters are the way I conceived them back in 1993 and 1994. Um, so I think your granddaughter will be happy when she sees the new show. Well, Evelyn and her little sister Emma will be so relieved that uh, that Bob and Larry and the rest of the crew are going to look right in addition to, um, you know, restoring us to a series of uh, of veggie tale themed conversations that are biblical. Like, I think that for for parents who are listening, that's probably one of the things they want to hear as well, that the storylines are going to return to you know, what the original storylines, where the original storylines were derived from, and that would be the Bible. Right. And what's even more fun is because we're doing it like a variety show, you know, kind of Muppet show style, um, I can do shorter, more obscure Bible stories that you couldn't necessarily turn into a whole video by itself. So the story of Paul and Silas singing in prison, the story of Peter and uh, uh, John healing the beggar, the crippled beggar at the temple, um, and doing from the Old Testament, the story of Abigail and Nabal, which is not a story that usually comes up in Sunday school, doing the story of the, uh, the, um, the prodigal son. So these are stories that are too short or too obscure to build a whole video around. But because we're doing a variety show, I can throw them in there and introduce kids to parts of the Bible they've never seen before. That's so exciting. All right. So it'll be on air on TBN, um, and it's starting soon. I don't think we know exactly when. Um, but, yeah, the uh, Christmas episode comes out this year. We did a Christmas episode first, and that will air on TBN in November. Uh, the rest of them, sometime uh, next year, they haven't picked a date yet. Okay, we can, but we can all just live in excited anticipation, and we can all go back and watch our old original VeggieTales shows in in great anticipation of this forthcoming um tv series it's just really exciting i i'm i know that i sound gleeful and i am <laughs> well i mean it's a cool thing it's come full circle you know and there were three or four times where i thought you know the the final scene of of raiders of the lost ark when the ark of the covenant gets packed up in a box and wheeled into mm-hmm. the giant government warehouse there were three or four times over the last 10 or 15 years where i thought well that's bob and larry 
They're in the box in the giant government warehouse, and they'll never be seen again. So to get that call and to say, hey, would you be interested in helping us bring Bob and Larry back to the way they used to be? Would I? (laughs) So it's very, very fun to be involved in this. We are thrilled with you. Um, Phil Vischer, thank you so much for allowing God to use uh, your particular humor and creative spirit and your friends um, in this really important way. Thank you for the Laugh and Learn Bible. People can get that right now um, at Amazon. Thank you in advance for these new epi- episodes of, of Veggie Tales. Um, this, thank you so much for continuing to speak into the lives of our kids and the lives of our families in such just significant and winsome ways. You're welcome. It's what I love to do, and I, I just don't want to spend my time doing anything else. Oh, and I'm just praising God that um, Bob and Larry are going to be out of the box. I just love that. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Phil. You guys can check it all out at philvisher.com. We'll be right back. Typing Veggie Tales into my computer because um, I think the show is back. I think it launched on October the twenty second on TBN. In fact, yes, right here I am looking at the Veggie Tales feed on Twitter at Veggie Tales. Here it is: Christmas comes early with Veggie Tales uh, relaunch available now. So anyway, there you go. There's a. <laughs> I don't know. For all the VeggieTales crazy people out there, uh, Bob the Tomato is back with Larry the Cucumber and all the silly songs and whatnot. Okay, um, let me uh, let me share this. So tomorrow um, is is the day when the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, um, holds their National Prescription Drug Take Back Day, and so that's tomorrow. Um, and they have expanded it this year, allowing people to drop off vaping dev- devices and cartridges. So this is an annual event. It allows people to anonymously dispose of expired, unused, and unwanted prescription medications at collection sites all over the country. Um, but they have expanded it because the health risks of vaping and e-cigarettes are so profound that they have, uh, they said this week, hey, you know what, we're going to expand this prescription drug take back day to include non-prescription drugs so uh, specifically these vaping products and paraphernalia or devices and cartridges related to vaping so if you have been looking for a place a space a way to liberate your life or the lives of those you love from vaping and e-cigarettes we have talked at length about the dangers and the risks and the devastating health effects of vaping Um, And so we want you to take advantage of this. Tomorrow is the National Prescription Drug Take Back Day. Good day to take all those unused prescription drugs in your medicine cabinet uh, and turn them in. But also a great day to invite the young people in your life in particular. But anybody who is using e-cigarettes and vaping products, a great day to um, dispose of those vape products. And so not hard to find uh, a drop-off location Pretty much any any place where law enforcement exists is a DEA uh, collection uh, depot tomorrow. Okay, um, what are you anticipating? I want you to be anticipating Christ. Let us all be looking up and 
anticipating the return of Christ. I mean, one day is going to be the day that that's going to happen. And wow, that's just going to be incredible and awesome. Um, And if today is not that day, let us continue to look up for Christ, toward Christ, keep our hearts and minds set on him. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.